Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. If you delete an item and it's the last item you deleted, it should be at the top of the deleted items list. Am I wrong here? This Big Mac is incredible. I made the mistake of going to get makeup. So I was made up for nothing. Although producer Tim said something creepy. Oh, you got your makeup on at least for when you go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we don't want to know your fetishes. Mm-hmm. That would explain a lot. Producer Tim went home and immediately began to put on mascara, <laughs> blush, lipstick. Mm-hmm. I'm so pretty. I'm the prettiest producer. <laughs> I'm the prettiest producer at DSN. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they came while we were doing the show. So they said, just to let you know, there are coyotes around your cars. <laughs> you can check out any time you like, guys, but you can never leave. You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. Dan is enjoying a Big Mac as we speak. Oh, Your Canadian accent came out big time when you said cares. They're around our cares, the wolves. Or the coyotes. <laughs> I need to hear that again. Do you have that to <laughs> drop stuff? We can listen to it later. I, I do want to mention that the Jane Dan podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. And right now, Coast to Coast Monopoly at McDonald's is on until November the 9th. Guests can play by peeling game stamps for a variety of participating menu items with one in five chances to win. Don't miss out on millions of prizes that could have you winning big and feeling good. Most importantly, feeling good. You could get a thousand bucks for you and a thousand bucks for the Ronald McDonald House. Isn't that great? Ronald McDonald House is phenomenal. Such an amazing thing. And it would be the Ronald McDonald House of your choice. So maybe it's the Ronald McDonald House in your city. Um, so head to a McDonald's near you to start playing. Thank you, McDonald's, for being such a great sponsor. Yeah, this Monopoly. year's Monopoly, we've been uh, opening and uh, getting the little game pieces on our show. And it's, it's a real geography lesson in Canada. Because it's places... Last night, there was, there was a national park that uh, I got the game piece. I'd never heard of it. So I'm learning about Canada while playing a game. Right. Yes, it's it's fun. It was I, Algonquin I never, National Park. I'd never heard of it. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm uh, kidding. You're not really paying attention. I've never been to Algonquin. I've never been to Algonquin Park either. We could take the podcast on the road there. I guess a lot of people go because there's signs like when you leave the airport. Algonquin Park, that way, 280 kilometers. <laughs> people love it. People love it. But after they saw that sign, it, because you don't see another one. So they'd be like, okay, I guess this road takes me there. Yeah, just step on it and then hope <laughs> hope it goes straight, straight into the park. Uh, we promised you something on last week's podcast. And what we promised was that, well, it was a sad week last week because legendary Van Halen guitarist Eddie Van Halen passed away. And a lot of you contacted us through social media and asked if we would talk to our good buddy, Engineer Jim, and see if we could do a Six Degrees of Separation with Eddie Van Halen. So, without further, further ado, uh, the legendary, the one, the only, from beautiful Coldwater Canyon, it's Jim Mitchell. Engineer Jim, how are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, we're great. It's so nice to hear your voice. It buddy. sure is. Yeah, it's great to hear you guys, too. 
Um, yeah, um, it's unbelievable. It's so sad about Eddie Van Halen and everybody here in uh, uh, sort of the music circles are still reeling from it. You know, I'm sure around the world too, but it's 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 very sad. He was a great guy. What a great guy. And did he live somewhat close to you, Jim? Somewhere, somewhere. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah. Very close. I, I drive by his house every day. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember, Jim, <clears throat> before we get to your connection, I remember I read an article about him. Maybe it was in the L.A. Times or, or L.A. Magazine when we were down there. And it was one of those things where... <laughs> People hadn't heard from him for a while, so so this you know writer was a big fan, wanted to do an interview with him, and they asked him what kind of music are you listening to now, and he's like, I don't listen to any music. They're like, they're like, no, no, like, are you listening to old music? He's like, no. He's like, I haven't listened to any popular music <laughs> for twenty years. He had no idea who was on the charts. He didn't know any of the new bands. He knew nothing, and he was perfectly content with that. Um, which I found wow. I found that very interesting. You know, he's he was a quirky guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 like his whole compound, uh, uh, his studio at his house called 5150, which, you know, also the album. Right. And uh, he would just hang up there. But it, it's hilarious. Uh, back in the day, um, many years ago, when uh, Wolfie was uh, a baby, <laughs> I'd run into him and Valerie at Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, different <laughs> restaurants. That's, that's amazing. So weird. That is so know? hilarious. That's yeah. so funny. I always thought they were. Uh, we're talking about Wolfgang, uh, their son, with with his yeah. son with uh, Valerie Bertinelli. And I always thought that was they were together for a long time. I was also impressed they kept that marriage going for a long, long time. And then when she got remarried, they invited Eddie to the wedding. Like that's yeah. a that's a solid breakup right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, you know they remained uh, close, and you know, obviously co-parenting and being really good parents to their son, and you know, they uh, they made a go of it. You know, the the thing I've been uh, learning. I was a neophyte when it came to Eddie Van Halen. I didn't know anything about him. Was obviously good guitar player, but also. Not he, just good. Yeah, the, one of the best ever. But he built all his guitars. Yeah, that's crazy. It, and he it, would and he would work on other artists' guitars as well. Exactly, and uh, very very instrumental, even in his guitar amps, the design and how uh, you know um, you know I, I believe it's released through PV uh, guitar amps. They they. To this day, and they're very popular, he has uh, the EVH line of guitar amps that he's designed that a lot of people love, you know, it totally has that sound. And he he just had that style where if you grew up like we did in the 80s or I guess late 70s, I, I was actually shocked to learn the band formed in 72. That's, that was shocking to me. I didn't realize that they'd been around that long, but... The, you know, the, really their heyday in the early 80s and mid-80s was so incredible. And you'd watch MTV, or in our case, Much Music, 
and it would, the jump video was so iconic, and the hot for teacher video, somewhat yeah, maybe not yeah. as acceptable today, but uh, was so iconic. And but oh, well, great. it was just the best. And he just always looked. He had that grin on his face. He always just looked like he was having the best time. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's so funny. Uh, I don't know. I guess it was around this time last year. Um, I was over at uh, one of the rehearsal studios uh, down the street from us, and uh, my son Andrew was with me, and uh, Billy was doing some stuff. Billy Bob was in one of the studios working on some stuff. I guess it might have been in the spring, I guess, Uh, like a year and a half ago. And uh, we're over there, and we get out of the car. We're going to go walk into the studio, and it's a it's where guns rehearses all the time and all these bands, Marilyn Manson and Foo fighters before they built their own place would rehearse there and Def Leppard and Alice Cooper. And I mean, you name it, the list is legendary. And, uh, the artists that are in and out of there all the time are insane. And I have my locker over there with my gear and guns has their stuff and Marilyn Manson and all these other people. In any event, we get out of the car and we hear this band in there. They're, they're playing hot for teacher. And I'm like, Holy, they sound amazing in my head. Like, I didn't know Van Halen was here, you know? And my son looks at me and goes, Dad, that guitar player, do you hear that guy? He is wailing, you know? And I'm like, yeah, he, he, he should be, you know? <laughs> and then when, he, uh, when David Lee Ross started singing, I'm like, holy, <laughs> it is Van Halen. Holy. And, uh, and, and Andrew's like, wow, man, that's like the best Van Halen cover band I've ever heard. <laughs> And I'm like, no, that's Van Halen. <laughs> hilarious. So, Jim, did you work with him on any songs, any projects? Uh, no, I never got to work with him. I, I, I would have loved to have. And I, I worked with a number of producers that worked with them. And, um, I, you know, we had a lot of guys that ran around in the same circles. For a long time, we had this crazy group of, like roadie guys and band guys that we'd all go golfing together. And it would be the road guys from Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, and Van Halen. And you can imagine what the what stories like on the yeah. golf course. It was hilarious. <laughs> Their producer was, was it Ted Templeman? Yeah. Right? Is that... Yeah, th- he, he has a book out. It's right. really interesting. Right. Yeah, he just, just released it. Uh, it's it's really good. My buddy Mac just sent it to me. He read it, and I, I'm that's on my nightstand right now. Um, where do you rank him among guitarists all time, Jim? I know that's a tough one, but uh... Uh, I, I do. I, I, I certainly with him. I think you have to put him in the top five just because of his. You know, he was so innovative. I mean, he really had a signature sound. He really took that whole tapping thing and all that stuff and the double tapping to just, like, at exponential levels. It was insane, the the stuff he could do. And not only that, but, like, just 
the uh, the arrangements and the songs and how he worked the music into it. I mean, his musicality is incredible. Well, and I didn't know this. They said it on the news the night he passed that he couldn't read music. Right. I, that blew me away. Well, I, kids, I and, but no then idea. he could also apparently just, he was one of those people, I don't know what the word is for it, but I read this in the article too, that he was the kind of person, if he saw an instrument, he could pick it up and just play it by ear. But yeah. like any instrument. So he could just pick up a trumpet and just play it. Like it's insane to think about. Um, Stoff has uh, something he wants to play for you, Jim. Here we go as we as we continue. Yeah. <laughs> this is I remember as a kid, like everyone was like, "How can anyone play like this?" Uh, it's insane. And would this be his guitar? What do they call it, Frankenstein? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, no, the red and white one. Yeah, yeah, the red and white one. Yes. But this, you know, like this stuff. And I, I guess he was saying that uh, the, the, his original Frankenstein, the original one he built, he gave to Dweezil Zappa about 20 years ago. Classic Dweezil. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I was who reading also, things. And he who would. also lives right up in the canyon. Oh, everyone know? lives Just there. Just like because his dad did, right? His dad lived in Laurel Canyon, yeah. famously. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear stories oh, about awesome. Eddie using, like, um, at the start of one of their songs, he uses a drill on his guitar to get a certain sound. Yeah, on Pound Cake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I love that song. And the guitar lick in the uh, Beat It song for Michael Jackson. He did that in one take, apparently? Yeah, he did that in one take, yeah. What a guy. It was really nice. Quincy Jones was on social media, you know, giving his blessings and thanking him and saying how wonderful he was, you know, how upbeat in the studio. It was really cool. Yeah, he did it in one take and didn't, didn't ask to get paid for it, which was like, wow. I but I think Eddie was okay in the end, like, in terms of money. I think he did pretty good Yeah, for he did okay. And, and I heard a, a lot of people were posting pictures of themselves uh, saying, like, rest in peace, Eddie, and smoking a joint. Did he like weed? Was he into weed? I didn't know. So I, I guess that was a thing that was going around. I know he was a big uh, booze guy at, at one point, I, but I'm not sure. I mean, he was a rock star in the 80s. I mean, what? <laughs> I, I probably did it all. I, I I had the pleasure of partying with him on a few occasions, and uh, we um, we used to hang out all of us at uh, there's a Mexican restaurant in the valley called Casa Vega, and it's a real famous place. Uh, like in the movie um, Once Upon Once a Time, Upon in, a time Hollywood. in Hollywood, yes, uh, when uh, Sharon Tate's at uh, El El Coyote uh, that same night um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio are at Casa Vega that's right and and it's actually right down the street from where we live and uh, anyways it was a big hang uh, back then with all the rock dudes now there's like all the hip hop guys actually hang out in there oh that's cool but um the restaurant's been there for like 80 years, and we used to go in there and party. And uh, Eddie, liked, Eddie liked to drink, you know? And uh, definitely there was, um, there was some skiing involved. <laughs> 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 
That's a good way to put it. Good way to put There's it. De- definitely a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, you know, it was more the, more the, uh, more the, more hitting the slopes than anything else. Yeah. More hitting the hey, slopes. Hey, Jim, before we let you go, um, our listeners can probably hear your work right now during the National League Championship Series, right? Yes, they can. Absolutely. I did the open for the game today, and, uh, um, certainly, uh, there's some music being played. Uh, in 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 game is some stuff that I cut for them and uh, oh you must love uh, when they go the with NFL. the old when they go with the the uh, the music where you actually like where you must be like oh man this is so cool cutting this yeah oh it's great uh, I mean those are like uh, aside from when I got to work with you guys <laughs> uh, the days that I get to work on that stuff are my favorite days at work. I always crank it I always tell my kids I'm like I know who mixed this I know who put this together they're like what? why is it so loud mixed perfectly mixed perfectly here listen to that listen to those levels <laughs> yeah and, and uh, you know the guys who produce the games a lot of those guys pick the songs too and, and uh and that you know they they're they're ultimately the guys who are making the choices on a lot of that stuff. So I just give them a bunch of things, and they take what they want and use what they want, and uh, it's pretty cool. The, the producers are very very good at what they do. Well, it's looking so. and sounding awesome, buddy. Yeah, and man, buddy, we we miss you so much. It's so nice to hear your voice, and and hope you and your family are doing well. I wish we had more time to chat, but uh, we're gonna have to catch up. Maybe uh, f- maybe a few weeks from now we can get you back on and and let's make sure it's the next time it's not when someone passes away. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! I love you guys so much. I wish nothing but the best for you and your families, and uh, you know, take care of yourselves. Love you too, buddy. You too, love you, buddy. Take care, Jim. Okay, thanks. Take care. Oh Bye-bye. man. Um, we, we mentioned this before, but uh, during our live podcast shows, when we would have Jim on the Skype and the big screen, his face filling an entire stage, the place went nuts. Yeah, the place would absolutely would erupt. just go <laughs> crazy. The place would absolutely erupt. And, uh, and what I, you know, that, it made me feel so good to know that there were so many people who had been listening to us for so long that even though we never showed Jim that much... <laughs> They just knew. They just knew it was Because him. it would have been weird if someone's face came up and it was silence. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because we didn't really know what to expect. Uh, we really didn't. We, we, uh, we hoped it would go over well. Um, but, and, then, and then we brought Ben Teller in and they would boo. So that was exciting, too, for me. We remember, haven't talked to Ben for a while. I wonder. Those live events. Remember when everyone could just breathe on each other? Well, the, again, the weird thing is, it was a year ago. Like, it wasn't that long ago that we were out on the road and we were planning on hitting the East Coast this year, but... Uh, that, those would have been super happen. spreader events for sure, definitely when someone puked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's probably how COVID started. <laughs> at, our sh- at our show. At our Victoria show, and someone got bombed and... Uh, puked in the aisle right before the show started. That was probably the beginning of it. And then that was, you know, all four or 500 people in that crowd. They started it, and then it just started from Victoria, which makes kind of sense because it starts on an island, but then someone swims to shore, <laughs> and then that's that's probably how it started. James Duthie, what do you think? Do you think that that's a pretty sound theory? I, I literally got the last bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
have no idea what you're talking about. Just talking say about yes, like Duffy. Temptation Island or something? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That's what that's what that's what we like to call Vancouver Island. Temptation Island. Oh. Hey, before we get into things here, um, breaking news that producer Tim delivered as I was leaving our offices to come over here to tape this podcast. Dexter is coming back with Michael C. Hall for yes. ten episodes. I saw that. I have. Uh, I actually was a little excited about this. I don't know if you and us three have talked about this before, but uh, that was one of my favorite shows for for the first four seasons. Oh, Duffy, it, it the, the first at least three seasons, unreal. And then I don't know if they let the interns or <laughs> if they let animals start writing the scripts, but it got laughable. Well, season four was the John Lithgow season, which was the which was the best season of yes, them all. Yes, that was a good. One. Um, and I just read today, actually, in the entertainment buzz, that the, the guy who was the showrunner for the first four years left after that season. Uh-huh. And that's when it went to crap. And he's coming right. back to uh-huh. do this season. So oh, that's, a cur- that's exciting for fans like yourself. Can, yeah. Maybe, maybe you two know, what is the exact job of a showrunner? Well, I think, like, James's point is very apt in that, a show, like, a showrunner might not write every script, but they're certainly going to oversee every script, and they're going to oversee the arc of the show. So if the showrunner leaves... Tim, your showrunner? <laughs> yeah, that's a great example. He orchestrates the arc of our show, and that's why it's gone downhill with Tim's... I know, Various Steve issues. Dryden, the, <laughs> Steve Dryden is the architect of the showrunner for the hockey shows on TSN. That's terrifying. Yeah, that is somewhat terrifying. Um, I... Yes, the showrunner, I think, is basically the guy who decides. Like, there's all the writers, but he says, this is where we're going. Yep. This is the way it's going to be done, basically. He maps it out, and mm-hmm. or she. And, and then, so it would make sense if this showrunner, who might have even been the creator of the show, leaves for whatever reason, then all of a sudden someone comes in with their own vision and it turns out it's not. Okay, not that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Definitely why it uh, just started to go downhill after the fourth season. So, yeah. Okay. So, like Larry, our Dexter Larry David was the showrunner of Seinfeld. Okay. There's a good analogy there. Hey, James, you got a brand new book coming out and I got to say, I love the idea of this book. Uh, they, did you come up with the idea yourself? Yeah. I did. I was sort of, <laughs> you know, it was, Jay, you and I had talked about books a few years ago and uh, how we enjoy them and yet hate them at the same time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's true. Uh, because it's just a lot of work to do a book. And so after I did uh, the last one, I said, I'm never going to do another one. And then a couple years went by. And I also said, as you and I said, we were sick of talking about ourselves and so I said, if I did do another book, it would not be uh, about me as narcissistic as I usually am. And so I sort of had this idea from, you know, I read a bunch of hockey books and you read autobiographies of guys and there'll always be like two or three great stories in the book, but you have to go through all the other crap about how he grew up in Moose Jaw, mm-hmm. you know, and all that other stuff. And then you go through the details of the Stanley Cup runs and the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And I thought if you could just take the good story, and that's it. Um, and so that's basically what I did is I just uh, asked like 55 guys to tell me your, your favorite hockey story. And I, you know when you're with a bunch of fans or whatever, and they're saying, well, tell me what it's like behind the scenes, right? That's what they want to know. What's it like? What's producer Tim really like? So that, it's the sort of same thing, I think, with hockey fans, where they don't want to hear about this great goal you scored. They want to hear about what happened in the dressing room or in the bar after. And so a lot of the stories are like that. Who, who were you able? Who did you talk to? Who was? Who did you want to get? And who were you excited to get? 
Well, I, I, right away I wanted, you know, the, you need the big guys to sell the book. So I wanted Sid and McDavid and Bobby Orr and Gretzky. And I actually tell this story in the, um, in the forward. But the very first email I sent, which I guess would be maybe a, a year ago, August or September, was to Bobby Orr. And so I sent this real long email. I mean, I've interviewed Bobby Orr before, but I don't pretend that we're friends or anything like that. And I said, you know, if you could contact me at some point, I'll be writing this book for the next six months. And that was about 1030 at night one night. And the next morning, like, we're, people were having breakfast and stuff. My phone rings. It was an unknown number. And I pick it up. And he's like, hey, James, it's Bobby. Are you ready to hear my story? <laughs> and I, I kind of freaked. And I was so technically inept at that point, I didn't know that there were apps, or I hadn't researched that there were apps where you could record phone calls. Because obviously, if you have to get a story, you've got to record this stuff. And so the only system I'd come up with was that I would take my wife's cell phone and I would put, put it on my speaker. phone on speaker yeah. and use the voice memo folder to record uh, with my wife's phone. That was the only thing I could think of. So I ran into the kitchen and my wife is online like talking to some, I don't know, some handbag manufacturer or something like that in New York trying to order something online. And so I'm like, honey, I need the phone. It's Bobby Orr. It's Bobby freaking Orr. And she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so would you have that in a beige? <laughs> and I'm like, no, honey, it's Bobby freaking Orr. I need it like a phone right now. And she just like is like just telling me to get lost for about a minute straight. And finally, I uh, I think my urgency compelled her. And I was like, Bobby, hold on, just hold on one second. And I was able to get him. So that was literally the, the very first one uh, I ever did. And so uh, you wanted to get those big names, but then... You know, I wanted great storytellers, and I wanted some guys that nobody had heard of. So it was a weird mix of how it came together. Like the guy at one guy at uh, the gym I was going to before this mess happened, uh, he's like, "You you got to talk to uh, you got to talk to this guy John Ronan. He played like eight years in the minors, and uh, he was once traded for a pair of skates. Or and this actually really happened. So <laughs> I talked to that guy, and uh, he just had this un- unbelievable, like a guy you'd never heard of, and you would never interview and I don't think anybody had ever interviewed and he played for like every crappy pro league in Alabama and all these places and just had story after story so the thing I'm, I, I like most about the book is it's a great mix of you know Sidney Crosby one page and then a guy like John Ronan on the next. Did any of the people that you contacted say okay you're going to make money from this where's my cut? <laughs> that is a question I kept waiting to hear, <laughs> and it's been inferred or implied um, by one of the people in the book whose name, who works at TSN, who I can't really name him, but his name rhymes with Beth O'Beal. <laughs> yeah, that would that would make sense to me. Uh, he so he once that. in a while says, "Hey, what do you? What, what, what am I getting out of this?" Good. That's why I love Jeff O'Neill. <laughs> No, everybody, everybody was pretty good about it for the most part. But uh, and you know, it is very generous. You're right. I, especially dealing with age, like some players, I had to deal with agents to get through, and I, I expected to have more trouble than I did. But they were really good. And it was weird. You know, some guys you'd get like Crosby, uh, Cro- Sid. You know, and I hesitate. It was in the middle of last season. You're trying to get guys. They're in a playoff run, and Sid started sending me voice memos. So I could never get him for an interview. I finally did at the end of the season, but 
he just would send me I, every like once a week in my my phone a voice memo would would and I'd open up the voice memo and be like, "Hey James, it's Sid again." So I was thinking of this other story. Yeah. <laughs> he sent me like five of them. Wow! So I hope was, you keep them. He took that seriously. Yeah, I kept them, and 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 I ended up you know with all this audio, and um, that's why we we did a podcast, which is. I, and I know, you, Jay, you did an audio book. I never did an audio book with any of my other books and sat there and read my book. But I said, you know, why don't we make it, um, not that audiobooks are lame or anything, but why don't we make sure. it cooler and, and do like a podcast out of it where, um, you know, I would read some of it and I would ad-lib some of it and you would have uh, actually hear the guys telling the stories and then Christoph. Um, who's now involved in every podcast ever done on the DSN, uh, does his magic with it and, you know, makes it almost like a radio doc. And so we're, we're, we're not telling, we're not doing the whole book because then nobody would buy the book, but we're going to take maybe 10 of the stories from the book and uh, put them in podcast form. So is that, is the podcast called Beauties as well? That's the yeah. name of the book. I don't think we've mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the book is called Beauties, Hockey's Greatest Untold Stories. The podcast is the same. It's up now, the first version, which happens, the first chapter, which happens to be uh, Sid's chapter which really isn't as much about Sid as uh, Eric Nielsen, uh, who is his junior teammate and uh, just a crazy guy. And that was an, another way I went through this book. Like, I kept asking people, who should I talk to? And John Cooper, who's got a great chapter uh, in the book, the coach of the Lightning, he said, you have to talk to Eric Nielsen, the craziest player I ever played for. <laughs> and he was, he was Sid's roommate in junior. And so we basically did a chapter on... Uh, what it was like, you know, these two guys, the prodigy and this uh, other idiot and uh, all the wacky adventures they had. Any goalies in it? Uh, there are definitely goalies. I mean, Noodles is oh, in okay, it. He's one of the great storytellers of all time. I have to keep thinking if there's, there's got to be other goalies in it. That's fine, um, as long as you have one. You, you, there's definitely Noodles. Okay, <laughs> definitely Noodles. This oh, should be the what? name of the next book. The, uh, <laughs> it's funny, when David Ayers uh, happened, uh, the emergency goalie for Carolina, oh, yeah. um, you know, everybody said you have to have him in the book. My book was almost done when that happened. But uh, a couple months before, I, I interviewed and did for the book Scott Foster, who, if you remember, was the Chicago Blackhawks emergency yes. goalie. And I thought, oh, geez, now the Scott Foster story is not going to be as good because the David Ayer story was so crazy. But I really like the Scott Foster story because whereas David Ayers was everywhere, right? He went on Stephen Colbert. He went on every talk show there was. Uh, Scott Foster uh, came in that one game. He was an accountant, remember, just with a family in Chicago and did his 14 minutes, uh, pitched a shutout, won the game, and then he didn't want to do media. He did the scrum after the game. And then he said, I just want to go back to my normal life. So he never really told his story. Right. And so I was lucky enough to be able to talk to Scott and really tell the story in detail for the first time. Because those kind of stories fascinate me. Right? Mm -hmm. A guy is sitting in an accounting office, and then he's in the NHL. And unlike David Ayers, who'd played, you know, he'd had like 100 practices with the Leafs. He knew all the guys. Scott Foster had never even met a guy in the National Hockey League. <laughs> and suddenly he was in a game, and he, he just tells great stories about sitting in the dressing room and, and, and everything that happened. So uh, that was one of my favorite chapters, actually, in the book. Beauties. It's, uh, when is it available? Is it out now? It is available next Tuesday. So okay. we put the podcast. The first pod is online. You can uh, uh, hear the first episode, which is about Sid and Eric Nielsen, uh, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And then the book is out next Tuesday, which would be the 20th. But I think you can pre-order it now at Amazon or wherever you buy your favorite book. Well, listen, buddy, we got to go because we, we asked Dregs to come do an interview on the show tonight, and he's not happy about it. <laughs> so, so we got to run, but thanks no. for 
joining no us today. Well, eh? Thanks for having me on, boys. And Kristoff, uh, in the last uh, 24 hours, has now done the Beauties podcast, the Rubber Boots podcast, and now the af- we're having an after-show podcast for Beauties called the Rubber Beauties podcast, plus the Jay and Dan podcast. Kristoff is a hero. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Have a great night, James. <laughs> Take care. And thanks for listening to the Jay and Dan podcast, now the 17th podcast <laughs> produced by Kristoff. It is brought to you by McDonald's. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah. They're going home. to the Jay and Dan podcast brought to you by our friends at McDonald's James Duffy presents the rubber boots podcast so we're sitting down at our table the the waiter comes up and he's like profusely sweating (laughs) and this is like 100% his first line to us he goes hello I am not well (laughs) I'm very ill. <laughs> you ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.